What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello and welcome to the U.S. Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. My British accent and the American sport. It's a combination that somehow works. And today, two very special guests for you. Dikembe Mutombo, the all-time leader in blocks in the NBA and the associate head coach of the Denver Nuggets and former head coach of Team GB, Chris Finch. Welcome into the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. Thank you for supporting the podcast. You can find me on iTunes at the US Sports Podcast. You can download if you've got time to leave a lovely review. And of course, on the official page on Audioboom. And I'm on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle. Plenty of topics to get into today. I want to start with Kevin Durant and the injury in Golden State. Turning on the game last night, Washington against Golden State, you were excited. I was excited because the Wizards gave us that special contest against Cleveland. It was another game that I tuned into and Washington were just getting going. They were building up some steam, but they weren't the team against the Cavs that they certainly are now. And I feel like even though they had that home streak going, the Cleveland game started this performance where they're playing with confidence, they're playing with fast break basketball, they're sharing the ball, they're looking up, they're shooting the three at will. There's no there's no lack of confidence from Markeith Morris, from Bradley Beal, came out firing against the Warriors. Scotty Brooks has this team playing. They've added Brandon Jennings from the Knicks, who brought him out. I love that move for the Wizards. They need some bench depth. They also brought in Bohan Bogdanovich at the trade deadline. So they're adding pieces to what is a very, very formidable starting five. John Warren, Bradley Beal, but the best two guards in the league um, behind Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. But Kevin Durant is the big talking point after this game. Zaza Pachulia, it's a basketball play and he falls into the back of Kevin Durant. He hits his knee, hyperextended. And the news is that Kevin Durant has a sprained MCL and a bone bruise in his knee. So it's not as bad as it was feared. Sources told ESPN, I hate using the word sources, they were saying that apparently Durant might have been out for the rest of the season. If it was a broken fibula, that would have been game over for Durant. And who knows for the Warriors season. He should be back. They're going to reevaluate him in four weeks. There's six weeks left in the regular season. So he has time. They have time. They don't have to rush him back to get him back for the postseason. Seedings is important here. The Spurs, who we haven't talked about all season, and we do this every single year. They don't get our attention, but they should. They deserve it. They're right behind. I think three and a half games back right now, the Warriors, uh, for the first seed. The Rockets continue to win. I don't think they had the consistency to get the one seed, but San Antonio, for them, it's in play if they want it. Golden State going into the AT&T Center is harder for a conference finals. And now we have a similar situation in Cleveland and Golden State, where the Cavs have re-upped for, for sure, certainly improved with Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut, and the irony of Bogut joining uh, the Cavs after being with the Warriors last season. Remember that trade last year, Verizal moving over to Golden State. I believe this has more impact this time around. Bogut's still got some game. Verizal is a minimal player at best. Bogut's going to have some minutes in Cleveland. They needed to do that after the injury to Chris Anderson. Darren Williams, I'm not sure if it's 
the player that LeBron James wanted, but a backup veteran can switch on defense, can shoot the three, he can play alongside Kyrie Irving. Now you've got similar situations, Golden State and Cleveland, because the Cavs are waiting for Kevin Love and J.R. Smith to return. Golden State are now waiting for Kevin Durant to come back. And the fate, <laughs> Zaza Pachulia coming in this season. Who would have thought that he would have had this big of an impact on the team in a negative way? Some return for Kevin Durant, by the way, back at home uh, at DC. His first shot was blocked, then he turned the ball over, and then the injury. Golden State, we're going to see what they're made of now. We're going to see if losing those guys last year in Barnes, in Barbosa, in Spates, in Azili, even though Azili hasn't played this season, how much of an impact they've had. What they had to give up to get Durant, now we're going to see it. They still have Stephen Curry. They still have Clay Thompson. They still have Draymond Green. It's a very talented roster. And we always said that if Durant had an off night or Curry had an off night, they'd find ways to win. Well, now they don't have Durant. So it's a bad night from him essentially every single night. But you do not have him on the floor. This was a big one. And this was a matchup that we were all looking forward to, Washington-Golden State. But it turned into more than just a game. The story here is Durant, and we'll see when he comes back. The Warriors added Matt Barnes. They were going to sign Jose Calderon, who was bought up by his contract by the Lakers. Imagine if you're Jose Calderon, and you know you're about to join a team that's probably going to go to the finals. And suddenly Durant goes down, and they sign Matt Barnes, who was in Golden State back in the day with Baron Davis. And he posted on his social media that he started something, and he wants to finish it now. Matt Barnes, you didn't start this. Bob Myers did. (laughs) Steph Curry did. But Calderon has to be sitting there at home thinking, how close was I to a ring? How close was I to playing in the finals? Crazy. Crazy few days. And how's that process going for you, Philadelphia, as we stick with the NBA? Ben Simmons ruled out for the rest of the season. Hasn't played a game this year. Joel Embiid is now out for the rest of the campaign. He's not coming back. That that knee injury is bad enough to keep him out. And I keep seeing the comments from Brian, Brian Colangelo and the Sixers franchise. We are just concerned with Embiid's long-term health. I don't think he's, ha- he's got a long-term health on him in, in a good way. I do not see him playing consistent games. I don't see him coming off this minutes limit. He was on a minutes restriction this season and he still managed to get an injury in a different part of his body. And that is, this, that is the issue with feet, with big men. If you have a foot injury... And foot surgery, it's going to affect other parts of your body. When Kevin Durant had the foot surgery, everyone was concerned that this would change and evolve into other injuries. It's happened to Embiid, and they've traded away Noel. They've still got Okafor. How's the process going for you? Spring training is back, one of my favorite times of the year. But there is a little bit of a fast going on in baseball right now. Tim Tebow for the Mets. I get it. New York needs some attention. They need to make some money. And there was a great tweet by one of the reporters, don't remember the name. There was a stand of Mets jerseys being sold. And a fan behind this reporter said, and the reporter heard it, there's Tebow jerseys, but there's no Granderson jerseys. So Curtis Granderson isn't featured, but Tim Tebow is. You have to understand on one side of things that they're trying to make money. I get that. But why are ESPN, well, I say why are ESPN doing this? I know why ESPN are doing this, because they, they need the coverage, they love the coverage. Tim Tebow is being covered as if he is Mike Trout, as if he is Ted Williams, version two. They're raving about his batting practice, how many home runs he's hitting in BP. That's like saying, oh, 
Tim Tebow had eight layups today out of eight layups in a layup line before a game. BP, the cage is around you. The ball's coming in at 60 mile an hour. There's no pressure. He's just swinging for the fences. When he gets, when he faces major league, he's not going to get to the major leagues. When he faces major league pitching in spring, he's going to face the sliders, the cutters, the change-ups away. Different game. And stop telling me that he hit nearly 500 in his junior year of high school. Do you know how long ago that was? I was good at cricket in high school. I'm not going to go and try out for the, you know, the county championship or the international setup. Tim Tebow, he sells merchandise. The Mets signed him maybe because they need a bit more attention to step out of the Yankees' shadow. They, need, they should be more concerned with David Wright. Not Got another injury. They should be more concerned with that rotation. They want everyone to stay healthy. It's one of the best rotations we've seen for a long time. They need them all to be stacked up and play. Tim Tebow is not a distraction, but he could become one. When players see the attention he's getting, a minor leaguer who's come up through the game properly, done it the right way, played baseball his life, that is a spot that Tim Tebow is now holding. That is a spot that a minor leaguer who's played since he was four or five years old deserves because he has more chance. Tim Tebow's going to play single A, maybe... Maybe double A. That, that's a long shot, though. A long shot. And then we could see this experiment wind down pretty quickly if he doesn't see the elevation that he wants very quickly. It's combine season in the NFL, and we're seeing we're going to see guys in Lycra running 40 yards because that's exactly how an American football game is played. How many positions do we see players run 40 yards? Defensive backs, running backs. Tell me another position where a player consistently runs 40 yards. In a straight line, by the way, without helmets, without pads on. In a straight line. The combine is funny. You know, you get everyone together. I get it. You can talk to every player. The agents can meet. The teams can meet. It makes sense. But some of the drills they make them do is crazy. The storyline, Kirk Cousins. As we go into the March period, Kirk Cousins, he's been given the exclusive franchise tag. The first time in NFL history... Because he was franchise tagged franchise tag, last year. The first time in history that a team, the same team, has placed a tag on him twice. A player twice. Now, Cousins has the exclusive franchise tag. Which means that he can't negotiate with other teams. But he can still be traded. But the team have to give him the right to do that. It's an open secret that Kirk Cousins doesn't want to be in Washington anymore. He wants to be respected. Carl Shanahan is now in San Francisco. Shanahan used to be... One of the coaches with Cousins and Griffin back in Washington. He has a good relationship and Shanahan wants Cousins. If he has to wait a year, he will wait a year for Cousins. He will be a free agent after next season. But if he says to Washington quite clearly, and along with his camp, we don't want to be here, we want to be traded, then that, that's when we get the ball rolling. That's when we start to see some movement. For now, he's playing in Washington. But he's clearly unhappy. A guy that was in the same draft as Robert Griffin III. But that team gave up the house and the garden and the fence and everything else for Griffin. Cousins was never the guy or he was never supposed to be the guy until it didn't work out for Robert Griffin. And now Cousins has given you solid seasons, very good seasons. He was franchise tagged once and he performed. He produced. The team wanted to test him. They wanted to see, all right, we'll give you the franchise tag. Let's see what you can do. Let's see if you're worth the money. Kirk Cousins is worth a big contract. If I'm Washington, I go all in on Kirk Cousins. It just doesn't seem like they have the faith. They don't want to put their faith in him. It's hard to get a quarterback. It's hard to draft a quarterback with Kirk Cousins' ability. It just is. All these teams that say we can get high picks 
doesn't mean anything in the NFL. It's so hard to draft a quarterback, develop him into a Cousins-type player. Now, he's not Tom Brady, but he's a tier below. He's in the second tier of NFL quarterbacks at the moment. I do not understand Washington. Yes, it's an expensive move, but it's a, it's a straightforward transaction. We are not talking about a difficult player to deal with. Kirk Cousins is a well-spoken man. He's a polite man. And he'll work for you like he'll work for... If he's loyal to your team and he plays for your team and you're loyal to him, he will work harder than anyone on that team. His preparation process is huge. So why Washington aren't doing anything for him is beyond me. And I expect that he'll do all he can if he keeps being treated this way to move over to Kyle Shanahan's team. San Francisco need a quarterback. They need a whole lot more. And if he goes to San Fran, he ain't going to be winning anytime soon. That's the difference right here. Washington are ready to win now. They've got talented receivers, solid defense. They've had that experience in the postseason now. They've been competing for the division. So he's got to make a decision. If he stays with Washington this season and has another season like he did last year, he's going to get paid somewhere and expect it to be the Niners. And I think we'll wait on the Tony Romo discussion until he picks a team. Uh, Romo has to go to a situation where he can win. He's too old and he's too fragile to say the least, to, to go to a team like Buffalo who aren't close to competing, who are in a division with the Patriots. The Texans, different story. AFC South, easily winnable. If they win all their home games, nab a couple on the road, you won the division. Yes, the Colts will be stronger next season with the front office overhaul, but the Jags, the Titans, okay, they're looking up. But the Texans is a place where you can win now because they've got the defense. So Roma has to make a decision soon, and that will be in the news very soon. But I want to get to our guests now. First up, Dikembe Mutombo, the all-time leader in blocks in the NBA, four-time defensive player of the year. This guy has one of the greatest voices you'll ever hear. It's Yoda on steroids. It's better than that. It's amazing. He could be in any film, any commercial, but he was greatest as a basketball player and he's a nice man. I met him in January for NBA London. Dikembe Mutombo, everyone, enjoy the voice and enjoy the interview. Happy to be joined by Dikembe Mutombo in London. Growing up where you did, how early or late were you to basketball? It was very late. I started basketball like when I was 17. Um, my brother felt that it was very important for me to play the game. Um, I was getting tall. I was the tallest in the house. Even though know, I was the seven uh, of the family of the 10. And uh, my dad was like, take him to play basketball. So, my brother kind of dragged me to the court uh, and made me start playing basketball. Then um, I played a year and a half in the Congo and um, kind of lost the appetite and came to America. I said, okay, let me just study. Then a year later, then I was asked again by the university to play. Yeah, because you originally went to the U.S. to become a doctor, right? Yes. So what were the coaches saying to you? How did they reel you in? Yeah. First, it was my teachers. It put pressure on me. I was like, uh, who love you to be on the team? And um, next time the team president invited me, asked me to be on the team. And then it went on, and then I met the coach, and I was like, we want to next year. So, what, what did you think about American culture when you first went over there? Um, America was only one of the places that I really want to go when I was young, since I was like nine years old. Felt like I was tall. Then I used to watch all the movies and see all the tall people in America. So I would fit very well in that society. 
<laughs> which ended up to be true. Uh, I ended up going there. Uh, I didn't see many tall people end up being the tallest ones. So it was very interesting. <laughs> Do you remember how many blocks exactly you had in the NBA? Mm, I think it's like 3,200 some. 3,289. So you're right between Hakeem Olajuwon and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, I know I'm not that far away from my lovely brother. Um, I always tell Hakeem, if I play a couple more games, I could have beat his record. But it was not important. It's my brother and I love him so much he can keep it. <laughs> if I took away 3,000 of those blocks but gave you a championship? No, I take my blocks. <laughs> I take my blocks. I, I think... Um, Every NBA great basketball players will not have a chance and opportunity to win an NBA championship. Um, there's always been one team that will win a championship, either with the, the great great for the talents that they have and they compete and the passion that they display that evening to win a championship, or, or somebody else will go home with a championship. And I always felt that... Um, I might have not won a championship, but I'm a true champion in my heart. Um, I believe the way I played the game for 18 years. It became a trademark of yours to wag your index finger when you blocked a shot. First of all, why and how, how did that come up? I think it was, a, it, was, it was a way that I can set up the st statement, you know. Let the people know that, hey, I have the master of the house. I'm the boss here. Um, I'm running the ship. You know, just jumping on my ship and trying to make some rule. And it was like a style of command. Um, uh, I think it was my style of playing. You know, I was taught by a great mentor, uh, John Thompson, uh, someone that I love so much, uh, someone that I look as a father figure. I think coach uh, helped me a lot, made me understand that uh, I can become somebody by making myself a name and imposing myself on the rule. Um, if I can establish myself very well on defense. You know, he was the only guy who I was lucky to play and then alongside with another great guy who won uh, 11 championships in 10 finger, Bill Russell. So uh, I couldn't deny any of his advice that he was giving to me. Can you remember an example of when opponents would look fearful and they, you knew they definitely did not want to come to the basket? A lot, few times. Uh, few, so many times on the court, uh, uh, I think uh, after playing a while, um, some of the youngest guys didn't respect me. That's the reason why I ended up blocking so many shots. For them, it was like a gift. It was like, a, it was like something they were trying to make themselves a statement. Oh, man, I'm going to get you, man. I don't care how long you've been in the league, man. I'm going to get you. And those guys kept challenging me all the way to my 18 years. And they helped me break the records. I, I always thank each one of them uh, for being naive and being stupid. <laughs> What's a perfect block for you? Mm. I think um, blocking... Um, I think my last block, one of my last block... Um, uh, Blocking Biner from the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, which allowed me to to pass uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to becoming a number three shot blocker. I think I, I always remember that block because 
even the referee was waiting for the moment. He blew the whistle. I thought it was a foul. They just stopped the game. And they took the ball from me and they gave it to me back. They say yes, congratulations. Also, I didn't even think about it. Uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing moment. Where's that ball now? Somewhere in the house. I got too many balls. Man. Every time I was breaking the record, they was giving me the ball. and uh, I got too many balls. Man. And there's a couple of them in my kids' rooms and all over the house. 1994, you were with the Denver Nuggets. You were the first team as an eighth seed to beat a, a number one seed. The Seattle Supersonics, they won 63 games. They were 2-0 yeah. up in that series. What do you remember from that series? Knocking them out. You know, you talk about mom want to knock you out. Yes, we did knock them out. Um, I think uh, by being overrated, um, everybody wrote us off, say we were nobody. We're not going to win. We don't have no chance to win. We are number eight seed. We are playing the team that they won more than 70 games that was dominating. But I did have this killing instinct inside of me. And this God was telling me that I can do. Another final series I remember, you against Shaq, 2001. Sixers against Lakers. Just... If I'm a fly on the wall in that situation, what am I hearing? What am I seeing against you and Shaq? It was great. Um, really? The elbows to the chest? Yeah, I handled that very good. I didn't complain much. <laughs> I think uh, that was separate uh, my time to this time today. I think uh, if Shaq was playing today, he would have fallen out and get suspended. But um, it was my error. Everything was allowed, you know, every, every physical part of the game. Man. I enjoy it. I enjoy going to the battle with Shaquille O'Neal. He's such a great talent, uh, gifting basketball players. Um, he played the game with a really strong dignity, and uh, he made our game much better. But the 2001 series, we should have won it. I think we missed the opportunity when we lost the game two in Los Angeles, which we was up by like 10 points with two minutes left until Kobe went in to be Kobe. There's nothing you can say about him. I'm intrigued how you find the game today and how you would cope in the, the current game because offensive schemes have changed. It's pace and space. Everyone's shooting the three ball. Marc Gasol is a great example of someone under Fisdale who's shooting more threes now. How would you cope and what have you made of the transition of the game? The game is a little bit different. Um, it's not that they got worse to them. I think it just got better with um, the time. Our time was also better. It just expanded a little bit with the arriving of a few international players. Um, the coaches went in to adjust with the style of play to feed the talent and the gift that those players was given bring into the league and uh, it turned out to be uh, different. And the league um, may change few rules uh, to increase the scoring a little bit. But if I have to play the game today, I don't know if I would have fit in the style they're playing today. It would be very difficult for me to block out the shot because the game is so expanded. The guys are way upset. outside by three point. Nobody's playing inside the paint. It's different. Have you ever shot a three? 
Yes, I'm uh, 0 for 1 over my 18 years. It's not bad, man. I have a wonderful career in the 3.9. We can, uh, we can technically say you're 50%. I don't know what that means. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, for the fact that uh, I didn't put myself in a position where I can shoot a lot of three, but trying at least one, it was good. It was an overtime game, man. Uh, the coach was like, they're guarding us. Just pop up and take the ball and shoot. If you make it, make it. Uh, it didn't go in, but I was happy. Did you find iron? You know what? I hit the rim. You know, it was not the air ball. Uh, but I can make a three. I just needed time. Are you the greatest center of all time? Uh, I would say I'm one of the one of the great defense basketball player in all time. I would say that. Now, offensively, I would not say. No. I would say no, uh, because offense was not part of my. My teaching. So, so how do you I look at myself? Uh, someone who will um, put his name and mark his name in the history by playing defense, rebounding, as, and I was taught that way from young age, and I did that, and that's the reason why I'm in the basketball hall of fame today. When you were 40, you recorded 22 rebounds for the Rockets. You talk about there working on your defense. Is it instinct when you get to that age? Is it all about instinct and footwork? It was just about instant. It's about um, how can you preserve your legacy. And my legacy was uh, to go out in the history as one of the great defense basketball players that played this game. And uh, I made sure that I did compete on my best ability to stay in the same level. And uh, I did that to the time I finished when I walked away from the game. Last couple of questions. Who is your favorite center to watch in the current game? Oh, this, uh, this, um, the cousin, uh, drum, drums from Detroit, um, Andre Jordan, the Clippers. I just love the way he fly. That kid, man, he, he just fly like a bird. Um, I think you have, uh, Abir, with Philadelphia, I think he have a chance to dominate the game. I believe that he should be in a rookie. Uh, he should be rookie of the year. I believe that he should make the All-Star team this year. He just have a great gift of talent, and I think uh, he's showing the great potential and a great future for our game today. I love watching him. Um, hey, don't forget about Roger with the Utah Jazz. His ability to block the shot, just, he reminds me of the young Mutombo. <laughs> I love her. Last question. If we had you, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on a three-team, who do you want to go up against? And don't put me in there, please. Three on three or how we play? Three on three. So you three guys together against who? Who would you really want to take down? Oh, that would be good because Akeem can dribble the ball, can cross over, and they do a lot of things. Uh, um, we take, uh, Le we try to go against LeBron so we can make him shoot all the three down because he'd be afraid to drive to the hoop. Um, Steph Curry might be too quick for me. I might not be able to keep our firm. Uh, but uh, I take any big man's up. I take Carl Malone, I don't mind bothering him, uh, Chabba, Clay, and all those guys, yes, I'll go against them.
Dikembe, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me in London. That was Dikembe Mutombo. Great voice. What a voice. You're listening to the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. If you want to get in touch with the show and tweet me, I'm at Max underscore Whittle, W-H-I-T-T-L-E. And you can also find the podcast both on iTunes and Audio Boom. Our next guest is a man who's currently coaching with the Denver Nuggets associate head coach, Chris Finch. He took Team GB to the London Olympics. He was the head coach when Lul Deng in his heyday with the, with the Team GB at the Olympic Games, also coaching some Eurobasket tournaments. Former coach in Houston under Kevin McHale. He is now the associate head coach beside Michael Malone in Denver. The Nuggets currently hold the eighth seed. They have one of the best big men in the league, Nikola Jokic, triple-double machine at the moment. Chris Finch runs the offense for the Nuggets. He's got a great offensive mind, great basketball mind, and a great basketball story. Here's Chris Finch. So, Chris, thanks for your time. I wanted to ask you, first of all, where you think the NBA is at this stage. Charles Barkley shouting off about the league and its talent at the moment, but where do you personally think it stands? Well, I think it's got to be, you know, to use a British phrase, it's got to be in a purple patch right now, right? I mean, they have uh, great talent. Uh, I, I think the style of game is probably the most entertaining style that we've seen in a long, long time with the, with the ball movement, the fluidity, the pace of the game. And the superstars that fit well into that system, you know, the Steph Currys and the LeBrons and these guys. And I think that's the other thing that's great about the NBA right now is you have highly likable superstars. You know, guys, it's a a star-driven league, um, and it's always been a star-driven league. And and these guys are team-first guys, uh, high-character guys, you know, people that the general public seems to be able to relate to. Um, and when you factor all that in, I think it really bodes well for where the NBA is now and where it can continue to grow. So ahead of this game on Thursday, I had to write a piece about when AI and Melo were together here in Denver, yeah. and you, you looked at the Western Conference then. They had 50 wins, and they still finished eighth, right? Yeah. The fact that the eighth seed is so open this season, mm-hmm. does that keep your guys kind of energized? For sure. It's something we talk about. We want to be a playoff team, but it, we, we also have to make sure that we're not so busy just – chasing a goal without you know fulfilling the process that enables us to be a uh you know a, a playoff team for many years to come by that i mean we got to keep laying the foundation okay and we can't we can't sell our soul to try to just get to the eighth spot what we want to do is grow this young team and focus on the 45 games between now and the playoffs and i think if we do that the playoffs will take care of themselves. You know, we may we may or not be a playoff team when you look at us. There are teams that make the playoffs that necessarily aren't quote unquote a playoff caliber team. All right? We don't want to be that. We want to be somebody who every year we built this thing to where we can say, okay, we're going to be in the playoffs. We just don't know where it's going to be. I should say welcome back because people that don't know you were coached Team GB and also you played in Sheffield. You coached in Sheffield. Now they're doing well in the BBL. Yeah. What was that like when we had the Olympics in London? Lul Deng was the, the name everyone knew about. What was that experience like for you? Uh, highly, I mean, high, as highly personal, extremely satisfactory experience of the lifetime. I mean, just so many adjectives to try to, to describe it. Uh, I thought it was kind of the capstone on the personal basketball journey and relationship with this country that lasted 17 years um i just 
I, I loved every minute of my time with the GB team just because of the, the commitment and the passion that those guys played for. Um, unique circumstance with those players is they don't often get to play with their countrymen. I mean, they're very, very talented, so they're playing, you know, in Lou Wall's case in the NBA or other guys are playing in Euro League, et cetera. But they, they get to come home, and the only time they get to play together was for their national team. So it's not like the Spanish players who are often all playing together in Spain or whatever, or they see each other all the time in the NBA. So that camaraderie made it special. You know, I owe a ton to the Sheffield Sharks organization. When I was 27, they gave me an opportunity to coach, which is what I always wanted to do. They gave me all the support. They basically held my hand through times when I didn't know what I was doing and supported me and let me learn on the job. And uh, from there, I was able to obviously go on and do other things. But that foundation gave me the confidence to be, you know, the coach that I am today. What did you learn about the talent level in the UK, having played here, having coached here, and then taking the national team on? Yeah. There, I, tell, I tell people this all the time in America. There's a lot of talent in Britain. You know, it's maybe unharnessed. Um, it's kind of in pockets. You've got to kind of mine it, mine it out. There's a lot of people doing good work here in basketball. Uh, my hope for the country is that we can kind of join, connect the dots and join up forces to be able to let that talent rise to the top and I'm talking about coaches and players um, you know London alone has to have an incredible amount of talent some of it needs to be refined um, and colleges in the United States or professional clubs would continue to be well served by coming here and recruiting that talent um, Hopefully, you know, basketball here in England gets to the point where it can cultivate that talent itself. One of the things I think has tripped up the British players, they've often made the wrong decision in their development path when they are faced with staying here or leaving. And I'm not saying they should stay or leave, but when they do leave, they have to make sure that they pick somewhere where they're going to be able to play. And, and a lot of times they'll pick somewhere where they it looks sexy and attractive or they may make good money but they never get to play so then those formative years uh, are wasted because they're sitting you know at a big college in the United States or at a big club Um, and so I think if we can get to the game get the game to the point here where those guys are staying and developing here through those periods and then maybe once they're established if they demand more money then they can leave if the country can't you know, fulfill that. Because like you mentioned, you could go to an academy abroad and you could end up realizing you're not good enough, but you've right. dropped everything to leave. Or you could go to high school in America and you might end up being a 10th guy on the bench. Yeah. How much do NBA scouts focus on coming to the UK? Because Europe itself, continental Europe, has a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I would, the NBA's scouting network is probably not overly focused on the UK professional game. There'll be some players here and there that they'll, they'll, they'll know about. Um, I think, you know, the college game is probably a little bit more focused on what they can find here talent-wise. But having said that, the NBA, if there's talented kids anywhere in the world, they're going to find them. What's it going to take, aside from yourself, Luol Deng, those kind of guys, what's it going to take for the UK to get more players to go over to the States, do you think? Well, I'm not not sure that that's necessarily the answer, but, uh, you know, it takes proactive relationships between uh, the the various clubs and the colleges overseas or the federation and colleges overseas uh, to try to connect the dots. I think if you look at a country like Australia, they have a very good connection with 
uh, St. Mary's, which is a program in the Bay Area in California. Matthew Delavadova played there. Um, Patty Mills played there. You know, so that you have the, a few other Australian kids. So you have this kind of like safe haven. I know if I'm going to leave Australia and the Institute of Sport and I'm going to go play at college, I'm going to play at a level I know I can play at for a coach that I know is going to help develop me. And, and I'm not saying it just has to be one-to-one, but if there was several of those types of environments um, that, the, that the U.K. game could tap into, I think it would bode well for the uh, British player. It's been a meteoric rise for you since the U.K. You've coached in Germany, Belgium, gone back to the U.S., uh, the D-League as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a great experience for you, but learning under Kevin McHale, mm-hmm. now you're in Denver. What, what did you first learn from McHale? Because he's an NBA legend, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, what I learned from Mac was a very consistent approach you know, to the game in terms of the ups and downs are very even. You, know, you play 82 games, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. You have to kind of take everything in stride. Um, you know, he was a player's coach, obviously a player himself at an extremely high level. He didn't sweat the small stuff very much. Um, you know, learning to be able to connect with uh, your players um, and that relationship is fundamental to getting them to play how you want them to play, play hard for you. Um, and, of course, what Mac was so good is he just knew the game, the NBA game, so very well, having been in it all of his life as a player, a general manager, and then as a coach. Did you guys ever speak about, and you look at the transformation of James Harden moving to the point guard spot this season, did you guys ever talk about maybe doing that? Well, we, I mean, James was our, you know, James our de facto point guard anyway because he, he made all the decisions with the ball in his hands. The nature of what we did was a little different. Obviously, now he brings the ball up and he plays pick and roll or whatever he does. With us, you know, we didn't feel that we, we, we didn't want him to waste that energy, and so we would get the ball into his hands very early in our offense. So he, he was the first to touch it amongst the actions that we had, and then, he, you know, he made the same decisions that he's making now. But all credit to James, all credit to Coach D'Antoni. Uh, you know, it's been a master stroke moving in there. James is really thriving as a result. I know you've got to run. So last question, yeah. How, what does it take to become a successful player in your offense? Um, the willingness to be able to share the floor, okay, basically means cut, move, pass, and then uh, we, give you, we give our players a lot of freedom. Uh, and in that, we expect them to make good basketball decisions and share the floor. Not just share the ball, but share the floor. Chris Finch, they're a really interesting guy, and I wish I had more time to speak with Chris. Hopefully we can get him on the phone from Denver very soon and it's a difficult thing to decide on in basketball when you're a young player I know a couple of guys who went to the US and played but didn't play a lot and every single season it got the minutes reduced become coaches potentially as well one of them did become a coach you graduate from an American college you're probably going to come back to the to the UK if you are British what have you achieved out there it's a great experience but education, you've got a degree that might not translate as well over here as if you, were, you went to a British university. You haven't really improved your game. You haven't played minutes. And that's the tough decision. If you go to high school in America from here and you end up being in the 8th, ninth, 10th guy on the bench, you're not improving. And high school coaches are employed to win. There is an element of coaching, of course, at that level. They have time to spend with the players. But you have to factor in the game schedule, the amount of travel they have to do. So... 
it's a really difficult decision. And Chris Finch is trying to say, look, there, there isn't one way, but you have to feel comfortable making the right choice. So speak to coaches, speak to your family. It's a hard, it's a hard sport and it's very hard as you go up and the talent level gets even better. You can fall out of love with the game. You can make the wrong decision. You can go to the wrong academy. You can go to the wrong place. You can make the best decision, but making it is so tough. And there has to be, for me, a syndication between basketball and education. It cannot be one or the other. And you have to kind of factor that in when you look at moving away thousands of miles from home. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. But Chris, thanks for his, uh, for his comments there and his time. And thank you to my guest today, Dikembe Mutombo, the all-time leader in blocks in the NBA. Love the finger wag. Uh, funny stories when, when he was introducing himself to everyone when he was here in London. He'd come up to you with a hand stretched out and he would just say, Dikembe Mutombo. He would just look at you straight in the eyes and say his name as if he was, he was a monument. He was a monument. He was his own, his own business, his own man. And the name was heard everywhere. And Chris Finch great stuff from him at Nuggets practice so there we go six weeks left in the NBA the baseball season is cranking up plenty more Tim Tebow archive to come and the NFL well they keep it busy the whole time combine draft plenty to get into baseball season preview very soon Josh Chetwin my buddy in the States and a very very good baseball mind hopefully we're going to get him on soon to preview the 2017 MLB season. But thank you for listening. If you'd like to leave a lovely review, if you like what you've heard, please go on to iTunes, US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle, and you can review the show on there. Or we're also on Audio Boom. You can go on audioboom.com and find the US Sports Podcast there. Thank you for listening. And until next time, of course, enjoy the games. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.